dummy, 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 My days are messy, but it's not something to be pitied. I'm often lonely, but I have a community of friends who hold my little family up. I'm strong and resilient, but can often be overwhelmed by stress. My life is full of contradictions. My name is Stacy, also known as the Willow Jack Mama, and I find my strength in the stories of others. I'm a single mom to three incredible young adults, and I'm the sole caregiver to twin sons who are both severely affected with autism and who are nonverbal. I've often felt stuck and have found my strength in the stories of others who've gone through hard things. My goal is to always seek the joy, find the hope, stay authentic, and build community. We can't always choose the cards that we're dealt, but we can choose how we handle our after. Thank you so much for being here and welcome to the Choose Your Own After podcast. Hello friends, and thank you for being here again for another week. I um, I don't know what you guys think, but we're coming out of a week that I've been told by so many people where Mercury was in retrograde. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I do know that I have not been doing so great for the last month or so. And I have been told that the shift has come and that we are now supposed to be through it and that good things are just around the corner. Now... I don't know about you, but I really hope that that's true because I need to get out of this funk I've been in. I've been lost in the overwhelm, super stressed, not a lot of sleep happening in this household. And you're hearing in the background right now, I'm sure, my son Owen as he yells from his bedroom. And we had no sleep last night, but he is still wide awake right now and it's way past bedtime. So... I just wanted to say quickly that uh, today's episode, I got to speak and catch up with a friend named Erin, and uh, she's a great friend now, and we spoke about her four decades of struggles with her mental health, um, quite serious mental health issues. Um, I learned a lot, and I'm so proud of her, as I say in this podcast, because I've I've seen her in a different headspace years ago than where she is now and she has really got a handle on on it and um, it's it's quite remarkable. So she's got a lot of insights to share. So I really hope that you enjoy this one. I think there's a lot to take away from it. Um, so settle in, get cozy and don't forget that if you like what you hear, I hope you subscribe, like and share this podcast with others and let me know what your thoughts are. You can drop a line anytime through my website and, uh, you know, maybe you'd like to be a guest someday as well. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy. Hey, Fagan. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> so for anyone listening, that is not her name, but I don't know how to call her by her first name. So we're going by last name in this conversation. <laughs> so, Fagan, thank you very much for doing this. You're welcome. Um, I know you're anxious, but it really is a conversation. It won't be completely like the ones that we normally have because those ones 
no one really needs to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Well, we'd be talking about spirit and, you know, the other side and astrology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but we're not going to do that this time. No. So I really am grateful that you're doing this because, well, one, I had another guest planned that um, kind of canceled on me. So mm-hmm. you came through in the clutch. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, anything for you, Stacy. Well, you honestly, like we say that kind of joking, but I can't believe how quickly true. you said yes. I really, well, I'm grateful. Thank I might have freaked out a little bit after I said yes, but then I was okay. <laughs> I I love it. I love it. But it really is perfect though, because I've got a, a list of the people that I'm going to invite and mm-hmm. you are absolutely on that list because. Aww, thank you. You're welcome. Um, The purpose of why I've done this podcast in the first place is really an extension of what I do on the blog. And the blog was kind of based on people that have inspired me. And I know that's like such a big word to say, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm so inspired by you. But I think it's more to do with, you know, and you and I, I think, are very alike um, Mm -hmm. in this way that your relationships are built on real connection with people and built on strong, rich conversations where you kind of get to the root of everything, the root of feeling emotion. And, and I think because you're one of those people, I have an idea of what brought you to this place in your life. And I know that you have kind of gone through, it's funny. I was just thinking about it. We've been friends now um oh long time. I know uh 2013 so yeah, I was just thinking that yeah so eight years mm-hmm. and you know while that isn't the longest of relationships at our age it is definitely probably the most significant phase of my life because I went through the biggest change because mm-hmm. you we met when I was married <laughs> mm-hmm. and then very quickly I was not. And yes, you know, and it's ironic in a way because when we first met, um, obviously it takes a build a friendship, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden I was head first in like chaos and yes. Oh my gosh, depression and all this stuff. And I think that's kind of what made us fast friends. Um, I think so, because I had already ways. gone through a lot of it. Yeah. 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 And so for that, I'm, I'm really grateful that we're still friends because Aww, I think thanks. it's true. And I, I know that we like we've talked about this before, but I don't have many friends who are single or not that you're single right now, but or who have been in my shoes kind of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And the friends that I do have that have gone through it just have very different paths than me. And yours, of course, is not my life. We have very different lives, but you're kind of one that um, I don't know if you feel this way, but when you're on your own. I don't know. It's not easy kind of staying friends with the couples. Like not that I challenging. Yeah. And it's not like we go out and have dinner dates or anything. And I'm the third wheel. It's not that it's just, it's very difficult. I think for people to relate to you when you're Mm -hmm. on your own. Um, I maintained several friendships when I was on my own for five years, I guess I was on my own. Well, give or take a few relationships in there, but in general, it, it was it was challenging being on my own, but it made me more resilient. I'll tell you that. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, let's go back. So, okay, okay. So, in saying that you inspire me, I would say that 
I feel, that makes me laugh, Stacey. <laughs> well, it's true though, because I feel like it's not just because it's not like I met you one day and sorry, I don't know if this is gonna come off like an insult, <laughs> but it's not like I met you and went, Oh my I god, know. I'm so inspired by you. No, but I know. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I think it's because when I met you, you were in one kind of a headspace and mm-hmm. you are not in that headspace now. Definitely and not. I think I, you know, without having known you prior to that, I think I saw you at a really low place. And, and that wasn't even the lowest, to be honest. I, well, that's it. That's it. So to, to know that I am really, I think inspired I get, is really the wrong word, but I feel, I feel proud of you. Aww, I feel proud thanks. to be your friend because th- there is something to be said for women in particular, that kind of can pull themselves out of their situation and out of their own heads. Yeah. Um, and, agree. you know, and you're there and I'm really proud of you for that. Thank so, you. Yeah. And proud of you. That almost sounds like I'm in a place that's, you know, already no. involved in there and I'm definitely not. Um, <laughs> but I know but, what you're saying because I yeah. feel the same way about you. Like, oh, well. you are inspiring too. And that's the thing. I think the reciprocation of that, just because of us, going through difficult situations that we can kind of our lives mirrored each other a little bit in the a fact that bit. we are both single moms yes. to three boys. Well, two boys for me, sorry. And three boys for you. And But now three yeah. for you. Now three for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a whole other conversation. That how, is how there's a new one in the mix is my yes. to me. Yes. So, okay. So <laughs> let's pretend I'm talking to you for one of the first times. Let okay. now, we can't do that. That's impossible. But yeah, that is impossible. <laughs> let's go back and you can tell the story in any way you want. But what I'd really love is to kind of get through what are some of the big moments in your life that you think caused you to kind of go a sharp left or right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how, like basically to get you to hear. So you okay. talk away and I'm okay. I'm a big mouth and we'll probably jump in a few times. Okay. All right. Well, for me, I mean, I, I think a, a big moment in my life in terms of my mental and physical health was when I was 10 years old and I injured my back in grade six. And from that age is when I recollect me suffering from depression. However, I do remember thinking about suicide even before that Oh my in gosh. my life. Yeah, I was young and I don't, uh, now I'm trying to think, I did have an uncle who committed suicide and I did have a cousin who committed suicide. And so it was just, it was in my brain, I guess. And wow. I just... You know, I, my father suffered from depression and he tried to commit suicide around the age of when I was 10 and I did blame myself and was so unable to. So you were to. aware, you were aware of it happening at 10 years old then? It wasn't something that was hidden from you? You It wasn't hidden. Wow. We went to see him in the hospital, but it was, it wasn't talked about like it is now. And right. I remember my parent, not, well, even my mom, like, it was like something like, like having emotions like extreme emotions because of the way they were brought up I'm sure it it's challenging you know when you're a teenager especially to show I had a lot of emotion yeah up and down it was you know very unhealthy emotion at times but I refused to be silenced and keep things swept under the rug right that was just not how I operated from a young age so 
probably I feel like why it. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> probably the main reason. Yeah. Aww. Thanks. So yeah, so I think I'm 10 years old. I really struggled. I my parents got me counseling right around that age. And you know, I had been an A plus student. I had been an athlete and played several sports, was a competitive swimmer, did so many things. And then that all kind of went downhill when I physically got injured and mentally started to get injured. Like in terms of like my inability to cope. And I attempted suicide, which nobody really even knows that I attempted suicide in grade eight when I had mono. I took a whole bunch of pills and I can remember feeling my organs seizing up. But honestly, I made myself throw up and went on from there and didn't tell anyone. So it's great yes it's great yes and so it's such an interesting thing because it's not a simple thing to describe or put into words I know but so do you think that that came from you know chemical imbalance do you think that came from a feeling of I just it, like not being able to cope with your circumstances like I think it was maybe several things uh looking over my lifetime I, I there's probably a hormonal element to it and and I do feel like that <clears throat> excuse me that depression in certain stages of my life was situational for sure right and I didn't have the coping skills yeah yeah so I mean in terms of that it was it was a challenge to get through my teen years, even though I worked as a lifeguard, worked as an instructor, did swim in on the summer swim teams, and you know I did lots of things. But I, I honestly, looking back, at times I had really great moments, and I was able to cope and did great things. But then there was other times when I couldn't cope. Like my first year of university, couldn't cope. My back was so bad. It got worse as I was there and I didn't even finish my first year. So it was terrible at the oh, time. Boy. At the time, right. And mm-hmm. do, do you feel that after your dad recovered or, you know, physically kind of recovered, mm-hmm. um, do you feel that they became stronger, strengthened with their own mental health? Or was it something that, again, kind of just didn't get dealt with appropriately for them? So was it, well, were they modeling that you know, good. I don't know. I don't want to say examples. I don't know that they were, my mom suffered from a chronic illness, Crohn's. So it was a challenge dealing like to see someone suffer like that. And then they have all the emotions that come along with that. And then my dad definitely, I mean, he tried to talk and stuff as well and tried to be open and he was loving. They were both giving. We went on vacations. Like we had a great family life too. Yeah. But then there was moments of darkness where he drank a lot or, you know, and yeah, just different things that happened. I think that were probably learned coping mechanisms. And I even did the same thing in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s. I drank a lot to cover up my inability to cope. And but at the end of the day, that's just not you can't go on like that. Right. Right. It kind of leads you in two places, right? Like, right. one is it kind of ends everything or? <laughs> and I was know. addicted to pain pills too at times with my back. I remember my first university and at Trent and I was a disaster. I was addicted to codeine, uh, 
I forget what they were. Like but a they Tylenol was, three with codeine yeah, or whatever. Yeah, back like then. A, yeah, yeah, like a strong Robaxacet type pill. And I remember freaking out when it would run out. Like it was terrible. Oh, and so, boy. yeah, and that was a young age. And I had a cane at times. Like I had, I had some orthopedic surgeon put me in a body cast when I was in grade nine. Like because he thought by immobilizing my back, it would. Oh my gosh. It would stop me from having the pain or something i don't know obviously that's thor school of thought is kind of not around anymore thank god thank god well and <laughs> to think that that age so from so we're talking like grade eight onward then pretty much grade where six it was, onward. grade six onward oh my lord so yeah. how would you even know that there is life that is better than that right or that there's well, life different than that that's the thing. I had constant back pain from that age. And it was a sciatic pain that went down my right leg. I still have it to this day. I can just cope with it better. I don't take any medication for depression, anxiety. I'm not saying that that's the right path, but it's the right path for me now. I've right. been on all. I've been on. And you've so done many. it all. That's yeah, it. I've tried all medications. I've been into counseling. Like I was in an in uh, a, an inpatient program at. Whitby it was called Whitby Psych back then uh in my early 20s and it was I had to stay there and basically you couldn't have medication you had to learn to cope through group counseling individual counseling and all this stuff and I was in and out of there in a record amount of time because I was like I need to get my life in gear here I was getting I think I was married actually and it was yeah it was a challenge to even go through that my family came to family counseling and but I realize now as an adult looking back and almost 50 years old here, looking back that we all do the best we can with the tools we have. Right. Our parents had done the best they could with the tools they have. I've done the best I can with my family with the tools I have and learned along the way. And that's all we can ask from anyone. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel that I still hold judgment for some people, though, I, if I'm being totally honest, and I'm, I'm not holding it towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that kind of way of thinking, I agree with. But for people that know better, and well, know that when there you know is better, better yeah. Right, but when they refuse to do anything, <laughs> well, I think that's where I have my judgments are kind of and you know I, I agree with that too but then at the end of the day like part of mental health that I don't think gets spoken about enough is people's inability to cope right inability to put things into practice I mean I've done the the gerbil wheel for many years going in a direction that I thought was going to help me and it wouldn't help right. me and I would yeah and I, I don't know if it was you that I was talking about this with or no I think it was my sister Tracy, we were talking about um, just how I've, you know, when you're falling into a depression, you often don't recognize the signs because you're busy doing other things or whatever, but people around you can notice the signs. She used an an analogy, but I don't really want to use it. It's about a frog in boiling water. I can't deal with it. Oh, yeah. I can't think of that one either. I think I know it. Yeah. No. (laughs) So, but she was, it was, it, it just shows you that when you're in a mental health decline, you can't recognize the ways to pull yourself out. Whereas now I never let myself get to that mental health decline. I just don't. 
I think I I can relate to that as well with my own experience with depression. Mm-hmm. But I will say that you you kind of mentioned something there that I hadn't really thought of before and it is that idea that there are so many different methods of well getting to wellness, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or achieving wellness. Mm-hmm. And I can see I know what my own markers are, the the kind of red flags that, uh-oh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm headed back there. I've got to figure out how to reroute this or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But if you're, if you're following a strategy or a path or one that's always worked for you in the past, and let's say it's medication. For me, it's not medication right. either. But let's say it's medication and you think, I'm doing all the things. I'm doing all the things. I'm going to therapy. My therapist. I've done is, that. Right. And, and they're monitoring you. You're, mm-hmm. doing, you're taking your meds. You're getting mm-hmm. your sleep. You're blah, blah, blah. And that's where I, do, I agree with you. I don't know that you're you're watching for the flags in the same way because you think you're on the path, mm-hmm. you know, and I, so I could see that you're right. And I've been there. I've been on yeah. Prozac. I've been on probably every older antidepressant, anti-anxiety. They even had me on antipsychotic medication. And at the end of the day, they tried to diagnose me with bipolar and I'm not bipolar. And I know this. Yeah. And that's one thing in the mental health industry that I don't agree with is all the labels they put on us. Like sometimes, you know, it like everyone's situation is different. I can only speak to my own situation and I had to beg for help from a young age. And I think people are still begging for help because of the lack of resources. And, you know, I feel like now that's why I started my own practice in order to help people because not in terms of counseling, but in feeling better positive thinking, you know, these different things that we can do to help ourselves cope, self-care, all these things that we can implement in our own lives to help ourselves. I hear you because when we talk about um, lack of resources and supports in the community, you know, there can be an injection of millions of dollars into the mental health kind of world. And I think even with that, as long as there's still regulated care, for lack of a better Mm -hmm. uh, expression, I guess, I think that there is such a risk that really what you need is what we can't, we'll never get. We're never going to have around the clock support where someone is at your disposal when you need it, when you have anything that is appointments that you have to wait for Mm -hmm. and documents that have to be filled out. Mm -hmm. It kind of takes away from the organic Mm-hmm. care right and I know with um my own experience of parenting and I, I think I can speak freely about this but um with my oldest for example mm-hmm. and we navigated the system as well for many years and it was yes. a nightmare it was a nightmare and the oh. stress and even with my twins with autism so we're not talking mm-hmm. mental health but anything that's kind of outside of just typical medical mm-hmm. uh, care, I would say when you realize the amount of bureaucracy and paperwork um, involved it's, in having, it's uh, daunting. It is. And it's not just daunting. It creates a whole new layer of stress and anxiety that you may not have had, you know, and it, it just so adds true. on, just adds on. It just makes it so much worse. So Stacey, I don't know. That we'll, I, I yeah. remember, I honestly remember, like, this is how bad the, the system has been since I've been on this journey. I remember telling them I was suicidal in order to get help when I knew I wasn't suicidal. Right. Because yeah. I wouldn't get the help otherwise. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because well, I felt like I couldn't go on, but I, I was, didn't want to kill myself, but I had to say that so that I got into a program. I got counseling. I got, I needed to go into the hospital at some points because I was suicidal, but I mean, at to- other times I had to, you know. I hear you. Well, and I think that it, it's unfortunate, but it's like one of the, the biggest foundational kind of lessons I learned with the twins in order to access the services and supports mm-hmm. that were necessary for them with autism and all the other things that came with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You are kind of taught that when you have to describe or when you have to advocate mm-hmm. for a support, you have to advocate for what is the worst of your worst day that's ever. exactly true. Yeah. And that's exactly with that's that, right. depression and as you know, going through with your oldest son. That's exactly what I've been through. Yeah. And you have to, you have to, and it's a very difficult thing. I know that I struggle myself with kind of the things that I've been going through in the last five years, I guess, but mm-hmm. I, I can cope. I am resilient. Yes. Um, I can get by, I can take care of mm-hmm. three kids when I need to. But that, that's what you see on the outside. That's um, right. <laughs> so if I'm trying to advocate for my own medical or mental health needs, it's very difficult because I feel like, and I guess there's that whole, it's the phrase of the day right now, that imposter syndrome, right? Where I've had I, this. Oh, absolutely. And I think the system, and I hate using that, let's like Creates say the it? government. No, yeah, but it's true it, though, because it, it forces you like when we say you've got to describe your worst of your worst day, mm-hmm. it makes you feel like you're a liar because you I know. know you're feeling good at the moment that you're saying it, but know. you know, in your times of your worst of your worst days, there's no help for you and you don't know what you're going to do in that moment. So that's right. And like you I've, can't, ugh. yeah, like com- trying to commit suicide is, you know, a call for help, but if you're just in the depths of depression and you don't know how to get out of it, sometimes the system isn't always like it's a, like now. It's, I, think, I feel I don't know. I don't have an access to any. We have counselor, a family counselor, but I don't feel like I've had to access any major resources for a very long time. I did have a bout in my late 30s with severe back pain, and my husband Dave now knew that. I like I was at my wits end and I really just wanted to end it all. I couldn't cope with the pain anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So and you, when you get go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just gonna say, like when you get your head straight, it's like your body can cope with the pain. Right. Like the I have constant pain, but I can cope with it now without drugs. I don't take right. Advil, I don't take Tylenol, very rarely Tylenol if, if I have a uh you know, severe headache, but I mean, I've damaged my kidneys. I think I've told you this, obviously. Yes, you have. Because of taking over-the-counter Advil for back pain for many years. And that was like four more a day. Yeah. And my kidneys were damaged because of it. So this is a warning to anyone out there who thinks it's okay to take Advil every day. Don't do it. We will get it. Well, that's it. Like, I think that if you're not given the care you need when you need it, like Mm -hmm. addiction is the Uh natural option for people if it's not suicide it's addiction you know if you're not getting the help you need and you know that's oh anyway we're not here to talk about societal problems necessarily but But it all relates back to my own story absolutely absolutely it does and the ebb and flow that has happened and the ups and downs that have been created 
by the inability to access the system, what I had to do. I actually, from a young age, did try. I went to a chiropractor. I've tried acupuncture, physio. Uh, I've tried every modality under the sun to help me with my pain. And that's what led me to reflexology, which is one of the things that has helped me the most. And that's why I now do reflexology. Right, right. And we'll definitely have those links, by the way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have those links for everyone. I Um, just want to help people now because I know what it's like to suffer. That's it. That's it. And I remember we actually had um, a dinner with Michael Landsberg. Remember? Oh, yes. And, you know, it's amazing because that wasn't that long ago. I think Mm it might have been four years, maybe four years ago, four or five. I don't know. Anyway, we had that dinner with him and got to hear him speak. And I, mm-hmm. I should have looked this up ahead of time, but I didn't think of it. I can't remember the name of his um, organization. His I don't organization. Either. And it's, oh my gosh, it's right on the tip of my tongue though. Anyway, he, he does excellent work, obviously, as he suffers through his own, well, depression, I think is, yes. is it a simple word to describe yes. how complex it is mm-hmm. for him. Um, but I think even at that time, even when we went for the dinner, you know, I think back and I think of where you were, what headspace you were in and you were feeling so positive and just even to see the leaps <laughs> since I know. then, you I know. know, it's, you're a different person than you were when I first met you. There's no question. Well, I think so. we all, if we want to get through feeling like one of the things I've noticed that okay, as a woman and being hormonal, and not having that dealt with for many years, maybe if I had that dealt with sooner, maybe it right. would have helped. Like I had severe PMS. I probably could link the fact that I tried to commit suicide every time I was PMSing. Not every time, like not that I tried to commit right. suicide that many times, but like during PMS time. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I have never had a doctor. Um, in fact, I think I've had only male doctors. Um since my teens, I think they've all been men. In fact, I don't think I've ever had a woman doctor. Um, mm. Even my OBGYN was male. <laughs> right. I, now, I now have a gynecologist who's female, but I never see her. That's like right. once every however many years. And so no one has ever, ever, ever talked about hormones with me in the in correlation. Any way, shape, or form. Yeah. No. And so recently in the last few years, I do work with um, Jen, Dr. Jen Parsons, who right. I love her so much. And we had a podcast with her and it was amazing. Yes. So um, Jen is someone that definitely has kind of opened my mind up to the possibility that maybe a lot of the issues that you know, we haven't even worked together on it, but it's just in hearing her speak about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, I do think that there is something to be said. This isn't supposed to be a podcast just for women. No. Um, but I think that there's a real injustice. Suffering. That's it. That's it. But to talk about hormones in, you yeah. know, specifically, I think that's mm-hmm. something that we should be investigating a lot earlier. Well, the fact I go to a naturopath and I feel like he's helped me so much I feel better I'm exercising I've been meditating since June and one thing he did tell me that I found very interesting was that meditation scientifically helps you more than eating healthy exercising all the things you can do for your health meditation is scientifically proven to be the number one factor in in well-being and I wonder if that has to do with breath 
or, you know, cause I, I find it, it, I've learned in the last, again, the last few years, it is absolutely the thing that the only thing that works to bring down my anxiety without mm-hmm. question. Um, and well, finding and- newer ways to work with it. Yeah, like, I think I've been consistently meditating. Over the years, I've tried it and done, like, the Deepak Chopra 21-day meditations, and then I would just not do them after. But now, since June, I've been consistently meditating daily. I maybe have missed, like, two or three Sundays in that entire time. But consistently, and I start my day off with that no matter what I do. I start off with a meditation, and my day is always better when I meditate first. See, that is what I'd love to do if I had a life where I could actually develop some kind of a routine in my wake up. But yeah. my wake up is usually dictated by right. <laughs> a need. Yeah. <laughs> but I think bedtime is the one time and you could, I don't know yeah. why. I absolutely could and I never do. I don't have a routine at bedtime and I probably should just to Well, I don't I, even I don't either. And I should too, because apparently you're supposed to, it'd be good to meditate in the morning and at night. Whereas I just mainly do it in the morning. Right. Right. The odd time I'll do it later in the day if necessary, but I, I really, I will drag my butt out of bed to meditate for 15 minutes before I do anything else because it helps me so much. That's so great. So you've seen the results be that oh. strong to motivate you. Oh my gosh. And well, it's a lot easier than exercise, right? <laughs> well, I've been trying to incorporate that since August and I've lost 25 pounds, but still. Good for you. Good for you. It's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Well, meditation you can sometimes do from the bed, which is really great. I don't, so. but yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, okay, let's go back a little bit too. So, um, talking about mental health and, mm-hmm. you know, and seeing where you're at now, what do you think were the other big moments in your life that kind of, I don't know, challenged you? Well, I mean, I got married at a fairly young age, 22, and I don't think I was mature enough to be getting married and having kids. And when my mental health was so scattered and not right. on a even plane and so that was always a, that was a challenge and then I ended up having two kids before I was 30 and then my uh, ex-husband and I broke up when I was 30 and so that was very that was a catalyst for me to get my shit together right. and I did I pulled it together I was a single mom and I do have to say my mom passed away uh, in that time around that time too and in 2001, so after my second son, uh, my mom passed away, and that was very difficult for me. And so that same year is when my marriage ended. And Gosh. so that whole year was very challenging. I was in and out of the hospital. I couldn't cope. And I think one of the main things I realized since my mom's death was that I was unable to accept the process of life. Yes, we're going to always miss people who pass away. And I miss my parents. My dad has passed away since too. And I miss my parents greatly, but it doesn't have to, we, it's a process of life where it's people. My dad always said, when your time's up, your time's up. Like he was just so matter of fact about it. Right. Right. That's one of my grandfathers was like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I just think to myself, you know, it's true. Like, 
I, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't function after my mom died because I was never going to talk to her again. But when I came to the acceptance that this was the process of life and that we had an amazing life with my mom before she passed away and she got to meet my two kids, which I feel sad for my sisters. They didn't get to, she didn't get, to, they didn't get to meet my mom, uh. her kids, their kids, you know, so it's challenging. And, um, and then even when my dad passed away in 2014, two weeks after my third son was born, I was more accepting of the process of life and I will always miss him so dearly and greatly. But at the end of the day, I know that he's always here with me and I was more accepting of it and I didn't let it bring me into a depression like I did with my mom's death. Right. Right. And, you know, it's interesting that you, I find that shocking knowing what I know about you and like I kind of referred to in the beginning, we do have this kind of deep belief in, you know, mm-hmm. that that we go on and that mm-hmm. our loved ones are with us. And so mm-hmm. for you to have felt that, that shift must have kind of happened after your mom's death, then I'm guessing, because, or am I well, wrong? I don't know. You're wrong. No, my, the shift didn't happen at right after my mom's death. I, death, I struggled for many years. Right, still. right. And I think I, I, it must have happened between my mom's death in 2001 and my dad's death in 2014. Whereas I, I came to some realization that this is a life, a process of life. And if I'm more accepting of the process, maybe it won't affect me physically. Like the day I knew my mom was going to die, I got a pain in my stomach kind of, and it was my gallbladder. I had to have my gallbladder a month oh, after she died. Gosh. Oh, so my gosh. the day I knew she was going to die, that's when that pain started. So that was in November of 2000. So, wow. Yeah, you know, like it's just it's interesting how the body reflects stress. And when you're in a state of dis-ease, yes, your body will show that stress, be it headaches, you name it, oh, it will yeah. show it, depression, everyone bowel issues, you name it. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. And I felt a lot of it too myself. That's where I am right now, and I think that that's what's so frustrating is my brain knows it. <laughs> my mm-hmm. brain knows that stress is absolutely the root of all of my physical ailments. Yeah. However, um, I feel that my my mental health, it's an interesting thing because I always attribute it. I kind of took stress and, and added it to the mental health kind of pot. You know what I mean? Right. And yes. I think that again, the last few years have been really definitive for me. And I've been able to separate them because there are things I can control. And there Mm -hmm. are many things I cannot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health, I feel like is something that you can't control it. And I'm not saying everyone can control it, but it was something I could apply strategies or whatever Mm -hmm. to. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've, I feel like I'm on my way in that regard. But the stress in my life in particular is very difficult to eliminate the stress. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and so again, it's like you say, finding the coping strategies and you do your best to find them, but sometimes the stress is so great that it still wears you down. And when you combine it, it with does. a lack of sleep, 
when you combine wow. it with a lack of sleep that's lack of sleep. having a baby at 42 and lack of sleep did not go well together oh my. i still can't so. believe you had a baby at 42 <laughs> like i remember can my I. shock <laughs> my shock when you told me you were pregnant oh i bowed oh. down to you oh my, my goodness. husband's shock <laughs> <laughs> well and not only do i bow down but you have a very well again you have three boys and i hate to say that gender plays such a big role but in this you've got three active active boys and your third is very active and oh yes you know and I I do have to say too I know I asked you ahead of time if I had permission but you have a lot to be proud of and I'm not saying that you know our kids all have to go on and be you know superstars but Mm -hmm. I think that all of your boys um are probably going to have brilliant lives the one that gets the most kind of spotlight put on him is your middle boy and yes I'll let you share what you want to <laughs> but I, I I will say though before you tell it all I think that every time I see you post on social media about a proud moment I mm-hmm. can't help it yeah I want to cheer him on rah 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 but <laughs> I like I I I see what it took as the mom oh. <laughs> like well, I was okay. a single mom when I started That's these kids it. in hockey. Like, and I, I know you had your dad and you had your family. He, I'm my not dad taking that away helped from me so much financially, yes. like to survive during a lot of those five years before I met Dave. Like, he really yeah. did. Like, he did. Although I did get a sponsor for Declan for his first year of rep hockey because I well, couldn't let's afford say, it. Tell tell what he's doing. You've got to okay, share that. So, so we... okay, so should I just? whatever you want to say so I have so Kian is 20 almost 25 and he's uh, working in telecommunications and he's still trying to find his way but he's on a really good path and he's had his own struggles with mental health and drug addiction and this kind of thing but he's doing really well for the last two years I guess and he's on a really great path I'm so proud of him and he's you know he's so successful in he's just very savvy in day-to-day life and he's just he's just such a kind empathetic kid and the story i'm going to tell about him he was working at his godfather rob van Wees has a sod farm and he was working there one summer and they had some temporary foreign workers here from uh, uh mexico and with one of his paychecks he went and bought one of the guys a pair of boots because the guy had his boots taped with duct tape yeah. and they were his feet were getting so wet and that is an influence from my dad for sure because my dad was such a giving loving person would do anything for anyone and when Kian did that i was just that was the proudest moment for me uh, well and, even to know like because you you i don't know i i think of I don't like saying this because I'm thinking of my own <laughs> boys right now, but yeah, when it, I don't want to kind of label boys, but they're, they're raised often, you know, to be these, I don't know, you know, macho kind of, I know I'm using old fashioned words. Oh my it God, is I mean, old, genius. But, that, but that's true. We were brought up like that still. Yeah. Like, and I yeah. still see that in, in men our age, like, Oh yeah. In the way they behave, the way they communicate in lack of communication, even, and, you know, I'm really proud of so many things that Kean's accomplished and worked through. And he could have still been, you know, drug addicted, depressed and not functioning. And he's really doing a great job getting through all that. And I'm so proud of him. That's so great. 
And then I have Declan, who's going to be... And so Kian played hockey, too, from a young age. She started later at nine, and he played house league hockey. He wasn't, like, driven, but he loved snowboarding and uh, doing, like, skateboarding and different sports. Right. And we encouraged that, got him a ski pass. My dad got him a ski pass, too, and, you know, went on ski vacations when we went to hockey tournaments, this kind of thing. So my cousin Jai took him to northern Sweden on a ski vacation when we were there for a hockey tournament for Declan. So it worked out, you know, like it That's really great. worked out. So Declan is almost 22 in January, and uh, he started – hockey when he was six and he had a passion for it and I had a coach uh on his team Brent tell me that he deserved to try out for rep hockey and I'm like what (laughs) (laughs) so okay he couldn't even skate anything but straight line he was tall for his age because his dad's tall Paul's tall and um he we went to the tryout he made it and I remember the tears at times when he was playing hockey. I can't stop with my left foot. And he cried and cried. <laughs> and then when he got sat, when he played uh, novice AAA, he got sat during the power play and penalty kill. And he was crying in the car. And I said to him, I said, look, you need to earn your ice time and you need to work hard and show that coach that you want it. And I'll tell you, that kid turned things around. And he wanted it. Because since then, he's played AAA hockey. He played junior with the Peterborough Peets. He was drafted to the NHL for the Winnipeg Jets. He's gone to their camp. He played in his first exhibition game uh, a few weeks ago with the Winnipeg Jets. He got an assist. He got an assist. (laughs) It was the most exciting, emotional day of my life. And (laughs) so, yeah, he's playing with the Manitoba Moose for their AHL team this year. And they want him to develop and so he's working really hard and he's worked really hard um, on his conditioning and his skating has really come along and he's just, he's very dedicated pro athlete now. So, and then Fantastic. Cade who's six. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Seven. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he was a total surprise when I was 42. <laughs> we had just bought, moved into our new house 10 days later. I thought, Oh, better do a pregnancy test. Dave forgot I was even doing a pregnancy test when I went to the bathroom. Oh Came my out gosh. And it was like, uh, I'm pregnant. I was so shocked, <laughs> like, honestly. And I uh, so. cannot even imagine. <laughs> I can't. I cannot imagine it in my 40s at all. Hats I, off. Hats so off. there was, there was a, a family that we put the deck, Kate, um, that Declan played hockey with, and she got pregnant at 38. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'll be doing that, running around after this little kid. <laughs> No way, man. She's crazy. And look at me. Four years after that. It's crazy. (laughs) Well, it is great. I think it's so interesting, like the little bits that I get to see online, even just the dynamic between the older brothers, too, with him, right? Like you guys. They're so good with them. Yeah. And I think that's such a beautiful thing to see. So I'm sure that helps out a little bit. Not that you've got them there all the time, but. No, but it's, it's, it is definitely. You know, he really loves his brothers and he looks up to his brothers and he's in grade two this year. So he's very oh happy and and we're navigating. We navigated COVID online, which was torturous, I have to tell you. But anyway, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm proud of you. I honestly am because I remember I remember conversations making big decisions like when Declan you know, do I keep him at home or do I let him live away from me in his teen years? Right. That was hard. I remember that. And I remember, 
you know, comparing it a little bit at the time, uh, my Jake w- at that time was also the dancing. That's it. And kind of yeah. when you have to make sacrifices as a family for one, mm-hmm. um, it's a hard, hard thing. It's a hard thing. So, and I have I, had people in my life tell me that they would never have let their kid play rep sports because they thought all the rest of the kids would suffer. But oh, I know lots of people that made that choice. A lot of oh. people think think like that. And I think maybe, I don't know if I was judged. I don't even really care. But um, oh, at the end of the day, we tried to, you know, give each child what they needed to support what they were interested in, right. what they wanted to do, what they, you know, gravitated right. towards. And it was always kid driven. I've never yeah. pushed my kids to do anything they didn't want to do. And I think too, you know, it's a, it's a really difficult thing, especially when you've got kids close in age. So Mm -hmm. of course my twins were not pursuing any real competitive anything when Jake was dancing, but Jake was dancing at a really high level at the time that was like five days a week and in Toronto. So, but I, the, the challenge I think is when you've got more than one to care for, and even if they're driven and they want to do it. That's you, right. Sometimes you've got to make the decision on what can you do. And fortunately for you too, you did have an extended network oh. of family members that kind of rallied to make it happen oh, for him. They really did. They helped yeah. us. My family helped me send uh, Declan to St. Michael's College School when he had to go to high school somewhere in right. Toronto. You know, they've helped us with his training because we didn't always have money like training, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year for training. Yeah, yeah, and you know, like at the end of the day, like it's my family. We he wouldn't be where he is. It's a total group group effort. effort. Total group effort. I think that it's a lovely thing, even watching like when he was drafted, right? Like how many of you actually went? Was it Dallas? Where did you guys go to the draft? Yeah, so how many of you all went out there? Well, there was yeah, like my I had aunts and uncles, like his girlfriend and her her uh, her parents came. my sisters, oh, their families, my aunt, my oh. aunt from Winnipeg drove down in an RV all the way. Or no, they drove down in a car from Winnipeg, just north of Winnipeg, where my yeah. mom was from. So it was such a shock when he got drafted to Winnipeg because I didn't even, wasn't even on the radar, to be honest. And then, yeah, yeah. So there was probably, I don't know, 18. I can't remember. There was a lot of us. It's a beautiful thing though, isn't it? Because that is really, you know, they're the people, it's not just one, it's a lot of people that help to get them there. So, oh my gosh, I think this could be a whole other separate podcast to talk about (laughs) the role, but it's true. The role that community plays in raising any child, let alone a child that's kind of bound for that type of life for lifestyle but anyway you're right it's a lot you're right it is it is and I think you know because when you say that there are some families that wouldn't do you know if I think about it not to take away from my family I've got great people in my family but Mm -hmm. everybody has their own stuff yeah and there's not I don't think if I had if Jake had gone on I don't think that we would have had that same kind of rally happen, you know, to make it happen. So the decision would have been made for him probably, okay, this is all we can do. Like we got to get to the end of the road, you know. But when you get to a certain level too, there is external supports available sometimes, you know. Sometimes, yeah. And I guess it depends on what you're involved in too. That's right. For sure. For sure. That's right. But anyway, so I think that 
you know, where you're at right now, coming through all of that, mm-hmm. what would you say looking back is the biggest lesson you could take from it? Because it's easy to say, you know, that you recognize that you kind of had to bunker down and uh, hunker down, I should say, and mm-hmm. figure out how to kind of get to this place. But what do you think is the main drive? Because it's so easy to kind of go, I'm too tired. Or Well, I'll tell you what the main drive was. I needed to break the cycle. Right. Because depression had, you know, and alcoholism and different things had were pervasive on both my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family. And now, especially having a younger child and my health and wellness is at the forefront because I want to be here for him. Right. I want, and I don't want people, I don't want my kids to go through the same patterns of behavior that I, like my dad slept a lot. Right. You know, when he was depressed, I slept a lot and I probably still would if I felt I needed to a lot if my depression was really bad. That's where my, that's my go-to. That's my flag for sure. Me too. That's my flag for sure. And I think too, knowing that I can't sleep a lot and I don't get enough sleep makes it even harder because I'm always, I I really struggle because I feel like I see the flags all the time because I'm always exhausted. I know. You know, and it's very difficult to say, okay, is that depression? Or is is that exhaustion? That's right. That's right. And so it's very easy to slip. Mm-hmm. You know, it- and this is where I think self care comes in. And this is like one of the number one things that I've learned in the last 10 years. Well, since I've had kids, so the last seven years, for example, especially. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing self care off and on since my late, since my teens. Reflexology, massage, acupuncture, right. you name it, I've done it. Reiki. And now when I'm consistent with my self care, I'm able to cope better. You know, this raises the, I don't know, the whole issue or point. I, I just recently read, I don't know where I saw it. I saw someone basically that was of the old school and I'm using air quotes, though you can't see them, but the old school mentality kind of, of thinking that self-care is just this new age, um, you know, millennial kind of concept that's been brought in to basically let people get off. And I carried that same thinking myself. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I'll tell mm-hmm. you when oh, I, I know when I was working my hardest, especially it was very easy for me to begrudge people. And I think it honest, when I think about it, I think part of it was jealousy. <laughs> it's yeah. like what you, you get to go to a massage therapist every two mm-hmm. weeks, like you mm-hmm. or whatever it was, because I wasn't able to, but I think I that hear you why is self-care if it's done in that way like there's one thing to say to go get your nails done once a month and someone calls that self-care it's not the same thing that I'm talking okay. about right but like the thing is though like when my hair is done I feel better about myself yes so I agree with you I that kind of thing you. is it is necessary too I agree you have to you. feel good about yourself yeah I agree with you but I do think that there are some things that are more meaningful that yes. have a direct correlation to your health and I think yes that why is it socially acceptable to be plugged full of medication? Well, but it's not okay to go to a chiropractor to go listen, get reflexology to right. Listen, I've done both routes. I've done all of it, and yeah. I'll tell you right now, for me, 
medication may keep you on an even keel and make you feel like you can be happy. But I'll tell you, until you learn to cope, until you implement one to two things a month, at the very least, that are going to help you cope. That's for me is reflexology. And I don't know, I access Reiki very regularly. And implementing the meditation and of course exercise we all know this but yeah and eating yeah. clean i mean those are just given but it's <laughs> and sleep rest yeah. recovery yeah. like and you know people thinking that that's not okay to to access these things that's old school thinking i'm sorry it is old but school thinking it I doesn't work it's total bullshit when and people not only say that, that but there should be more respect paid i think for this self-care kind of modality if that's what we're going to call it two things a month it's you're put you're putting the work in you're not getting the easy route by just popping a pill you're putting in the real effort because that takes time and it takes effort and it takes digging deep right the pills don't fix the problems i've been on every pill under the sun you name it I've, i've had hallucinations they've put me on all kinds of stuff over the years and i'm telling you until you fix your own I guess, triggers or coping mechanisms, you're never going to get out of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and for me, that's implementing self-care, positive self-talk, doing a couple of things a month to keep you being able to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think I totally agree with you. I will say, though, I don't want to be a hypocrite either. And I do believe that there is value. Um, some things medication is absolutely oh, required. I'm not, I'm not saying that no, I medication know. is bad, but for in the big scheme of things, you need to learn to cope. If I you're going to, if you agree, you need medication, that's fine to all the power to you, because that's what it's there for. Utilize it when we need it. I've done it, yeah. but you have to learn to cope or else there's no point. That's right. That's right. I think, and I, I think at the, the crux of all issues when it comes to, mental health and depression in particular, Mm -hmm. the hardest thing is when you're depressed, you're exhausted, mentally exhausted. And the idea of, oh my gosh, I have to work on something. (laughs) I have to apply Mm -hmm. a strategy. It's very difficult. Of course it is. And, you know, I empathize completely. I remember being there and Mm -hmm. it is easy. And that's where I do think at times, like, you know, please put me on medication to give me that little bit of the bridge yes. so that I can then find a way to get up every morning so that I can then go to the therapist, right? If you, That's can't, right. Even, if you can't even get yourself there because you're I've so been there deep too. in it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's terrible. It is. There's, you know, I, I get caught in this cycle um, with my son because yeah. he's in the thick of it and yeah. it's beyond depression, but I, I do understand. I understand that there's no easy fix, but I also believe that it takes hard work no matter where you're at. And that's it takes hard daunting. work. That's daunting. So And you know, at times I didn't want to do the work. And the one thing that a counselor told me that I need to tell everyone in the world, you do not have to become your diagnosis. Just because you're diagnosed with depression, right. anxiety, whatever disorder they call you, doesn't mean you have to become that and and wallow and rest in that you can change your path. Like when people say things are out of their control, I don't believe it. I really don't like maybe something like schizophrenia. I don't know. Like a lot of those kind of illnesses is where there's lack of control because that's more chemical 
I don't know, but like we have to realize our brain controls everything. And yeah. when we can get a handle on it to some degree, I'm not saying it works for everyone. Everyone's different, but it, it certainly does change your trajectory when you can uh, not focus on what is wrong with you and focus on what you want and change. It's taken a lot of years, but it, I'm, I'm here. Well, you are here. And honestly, like I said, just even seeing the changes since I first met you and it wasn't that long ago are pretty incredible. So feels like I've known you my whole life. I know, I know. (laughs) You know, we we both missed out. We both missed out. (laughs) Anyway, well, thank you, Fagan. I think that you just did it. That's exactly the kind of conversation I was hoping to have with you. Thank you. I I really think I think a lot of people can benefit from you know, just even knowing that it's possible, not that they could see the worst of the worst, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there's some key nuggets in there for sure. And I need the reminders all the time myself Mm -hmm. and you don't have to be in the thick of it um, to learn from it. Right. No, you you can be on the upswing and still learn something. I learn from my clients and my family and my friends every day on different things I can implement and do in my life that are going to help me feel better. So well, kudos to you and thank I'm you. proud of you and I keep cheering on your boys from afar. Thank you. I appreciate you having me and I appreciate your friendship and you know and yeah, yeah. do to support you and your family. <laughs> yes, it's true. You know. I know, I know, I know. Well, <laughs> if you listen back to the podcast and you listen to Jen's um we referred to this uh a book that we had both read. I don't know if you are a big reader. That's one thing I, I don't know about you. Did you yeah. read She's Come Undone a million years ago? Mm-hmm. I feel like I did read that. So that's, we loved it. So Wally Lamb, I think, is the author of that mm-hmm. one. Um, I did read that. Yeah. And so she refers. It's been a long time. It has. Like, I think that's a 20 or 20 years or more since it came out. Yeah. Um, but she refers to a part of the book that I don't remember, but it's about accepting the milkshake where someone <laughs> gifts a milkshake and it's the whole idea of accepting a compliment kind of, you know, and how mm-hmm. quick we are to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which I do all the time. Um, but I'll accept your thanks for our friendship. I'll, I'll do you. that. I'm glad you're doing <laughs> Thank that. you. Thank you for yours as I well. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, okay. Love you very much. You too. And Love you, This Stacey. was great. We will talk soon. And Sounds good. Thank you to everyone listening. We will have some show notes up on the blog at www.willajack.com. Um, and that's just where we'll have some little extra notes or things that we want to link up to. So if you want more information about uh Aaron's reflexology that's where you can find it as well so thank you we will talk soon all right Stacy thanks Take so care. much all, all right, right. till next time bye yes bye This has been a Willowjack podcast, Choose Your Own After, released on October 21st, 2021. Hosted and produced by Stacey Haley, sound effects by William Haley, edited by Liza McClelland, and a special thanks to Aaron Fagan for joining us on today's episode. As a postscript to this episode, we just want to simply thank you for being here. Remember to check out the links in our description for all of Willowjack's social links and contact information. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Oh yeah!